Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Seemingly everyone is pissed that Margot Robbie didn't get an Oscar nomination for her role in Barbie. But man, are they going to be pissed when they hear what the critics had to say about this film. But not us, because we're here to say to you that Terminal is not that bad. Welcome, welcome, one and all, to It's Not That Bad, the podcast that looks for A grades in B movies. And I don't know whether you're on Team Margot or not when it comes to the Oscar nominations for Barbie, but I'm here to tell you that we're on Team Margot for this one because we're talking about 2018's Terminal. And here to join me in the sound terminal of our little home studio is my lovely wife, Carrie. Carrie, how are you doing today? I am doing great. I'm a Barbie girl in, in a Barbie, Barbie world. world. We may have just this set a new record. Barbie. <laughs> Definitely not Barbie. Definitely not Barbie. <laughs> this this is shoot your brains out, Barbie. Sorry, Daddy. So when we were looking for a film to uh, cover for this week's episode, and we were just kind of, you know, your your response was, well, just go to Tubi. I'm sure there's something there. Well, you're right. There's always something on Tubi. And then this movie comes up, and I was like, I remember seeing this film. Okay. No, no, no. You have to tell the backstory to this. Okay. That our travel movie is The Terminal. Right. With Tom Hanks. A very different movie. Yeah, it's kind of like messing room with the room. <laughs> Two very, very, very different movies. The Terminal and Terminal, also two very, very different movies. And, and it's true. Like, we we were getting ready to go on a trip, and Carrie was like, okay, wait, we're about to hit the road. It's, t- it's time to put on the Terminal. And we went to our media player and she saw terminal hit play and it's like oh 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 what what the hell is this <laughs> where's tom hanks yeah and little did i know but i mean i didn't get quite far into it at all and i i i almost regret not watching the movie in its entirety then but Anyway, we did that now. We did that now, yes. Yeah, I followed the assignment, and uh, man, am I glad I did. Oh, yeah, no. We're going to have lots of good things to say about it, but before we do, before we deep dive into this, it is time to take this definitely not the Terminal movie, Terminal, and trailerize it. You thought she was a standout psycho amongst a bunch of baddies in Suicide Squad. You hailed her performance as the crazy figure skating psycho Tanya Harding in Tanya. 
You even enjoyed her in Vogue spoof of American Psycho in Australian Psycho. I'm seeing a pattern here. Wait, Margo, are you okay? Well, let's settle in for her turn as yet another Psycho in Terminal. It's a showdown between killers in this noir take that puts the neon in neo-noir. It's a movie that takes place mostly in a terminal. While terminally ill people consider terminating their lives. Well, at least they delivered on what they promised. Margot Robbie stars in Terminal. Not yet rated. Huh. Well, that's a first. More like underrated, am I right? Okay. I'll see myself in now. <laughs> Cue the door slam. <laughs> right? Pretty much. Pretty much. And it's true. This film is not rated in North America because it was never released in theaters in North America. Well, I think it's quite a giveaway what the rating would be. I mean, really. You you would think. You would think. You would think. Right? But let's get into who's in this movie. The movie stars Margot Robbie, Simon Pegg, Mike Myers, Dexter Fletcher, and Max Irons. It was written and directed by Vaughn Stein, who has since directed Inheritance and Every Breath You Take, but this is the only movie that he has ever written. And by the way, this was also released and produced through Margot Robbie's production company, so she's all over this film. However... Not even her star power could bring in a box office. There was no budget listed anywhere where I normally look for this film. But the worldwide gross, worldwide, because it never actually got a North American release, was $843,970. And most of that came from theaters in Russia and Ukraine. However... At the 2018 Edinburgh International Film Festival, Von Stein was nominated for the Audience Award for this film, lost to Almost Fashionable, a film about Travis. And at the 2019 National Film Awards UK, Simon Pegg was nominated for Best Supporting Actor. He lost to Ricky Tomlinson for Gloves Off. But the reason why we are here, not because the film looked cool, it's got a good cast, is the critic's score. Over at Metacritic, this film has a meta score of 27. And over at Rotten Tomatoes, the audience score is only 36%. And the tomatometer, 21%. So before we actually get into you know the meat and potatoes of this, I'm going to ask you, Carrie, at 21%, how much of a dis, you know an injustice is that score? Oh my god. I mean, it's low. It is absolutely low. And I don't know if it's a weight of expectation based on the star power. I I, I don't understand. I, I never understand the critics and where they stand. But this is a great movie. It's a great movie. Okay. It's I, worth a watch. I want to put this into perspective here okay because margot robbie more often than not equals like box office success and critical acclaim too she has gotten a lot of kudos and accolades for her work on screen this movie not only is it her lowest ever 
Tomatometer. It is also her lowest ever audience score. So, by Rotten Tomato standards, this is the worst film of her career. What's the timeline? When did, I don't know, let's say Suicide Squad okay, come out? I'm glad you pointed that movie out. Okay, so let me put this into perspective here. This film came out in 2018. And if you want to put this into a career perspective, of films where she is an actress, okay, since this movie has come out, and only movies that qualify, okay? So if it's if it's a good critic score, forget it. I'm not going to mention it, okay? 2019, Dreamland came out. She scored 58, well, the movie scored 58%. Amsterdam, 32%. Babylon, 57%. Those are the only three movies since this movie has come out that would qualify for this podcast. Before that, though, Suicide Squad and The Legend of Tarzan both came out in 2016. Suicide Squad, we've already talked about that one. Uh, 26% tomatometer. Legend of Tarzan, 35% tomatometer. And in 2015, her first film that would have qualified for this one where she starred with Will Smith, Focus, 56%. So it's not far off Suicide Squad, at least as far as the critic score goes, but... Far and away, it is the worst audience score. But let's see if we can kind of break down as to why the critics and the audience too, because really at 38%, it's not a ringing endorsement of a film, but let's figure out where we think this movie got it right and maybe where the the, the, the watchers, no matter what side of the of the equation they are, where they might have knocked this down a few we're going to start with Margot Robbie, who plays Annie. And by the way, I'm going to warn you all right now. If you have not seen this film, okay, there is a very real possibility that spoilers will exist in this episode. So I'm going to give you permission right now to pause the show and go watch the film. You can watch it on Tubi. So it doesn't even, you know, it's not even going to cost you anything, okay? You need to watch this movie before you come back and listen to the rest of this episode because if we spoil something and you haven't seen the film that's on you at this point okay you have been forewarned i'm i'm going to do my best not to spoil some of the the twists in this but I make no guarantees. And also, please, please watch this movie. Oh, hells yeah. I want to see the ratings go up. Like, right? I, <laughs> I want to see at least if anything the audience score like like realize that this is a hidden gem. Like it really deserves better. And I don't know. Like watch it, vote for it. Can can the audience score change on Rotten Tomatoes? Oh, the audience score it... can absolutely change. Okay, so but... it's not set in stone. No, 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 no. Every everything is, you know, fungible, if you will, right? For for lack of a better term. But I want to put it into perspective here because I'm just taking a look at Letterboxd as well. Uh, Letterboxd, of course, being like the the good reads for movies, if you will, if you if you are unfamiliar with Letterboxd, the aggregate viewer score works out to about two point four out of five stars. So that's you do the math, you do the doubling on that one. You know that's a forty eight percent. So even there, it doesn't hit the you know the college pass of a of what what I guess would be a three stars. So 
you know, this, this film, clearly people need to go back and watch it again. But again, this is personal opinion. But let's start with Margot Robbie, who plays Annie. Now that you have been forewarned, hopefully pause the show, watch the movie and come back. How was Margot Robbie in this for you? Oh, my God. Absolutely brilliant. She played her part so, so well. Like, it, like, I'm still in awe, completely in awe of this role. And again, you mentioned the twists and the turns and the, the narrative, the story, um, her backstory, like, her why, oh my God. And also how the characters were so intertwined like really showing that your past comes back to haunt you like if that is saying too much without saying too much well there's a few twists in this film oh my god yeah Yeah. We 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 did warn you by the way um margot robbie has this innate ability to play to the camera. And it's almost like she knows exactly where the lights and the lens are going to be at all times. Like it is there there are moments in this film where it's like you you I don't know how many times you practice this move, but to nail the location exactly where you're supposed to be. Like it, it it's almost cartoon like how spot on she is with her body positioning and her eye contact in this film. Like like masterful. Well, even when she's again, I don't want to say too much, but when that that montage mm-hmm. where they're showing flashbacks of how it all is is intertwined and how it all comes together, um, and you realize just seeing it edited, like the editor was freaking brilliant on this one. Oh yeah, like because of how it all like you didn't even realize watching it through the first time and then when you watch it the way it was put together and it was like oh like how did I miss that how like how did I miss that expression on her face that just that one moment Mm -hmm. of like emotion intensity however you want to put it without I think I can say this safely you know, without really spoiling anything. There's just, there's this point in the movie where you start to see how all the threads are interconnected. And it feels like that moment in the usual, uh, the usual suspects when you realize that verbal Kent is Kaiser Sose. Oh, so, sorry. By the way, if you, if you haven't watched oh. usual suspects, uh, also Vader is Luke's father. So you spoiled you know. <laughs> another movie, <laughs> right? There is no Santa Claus. Sorry. No, sorry. Sorry. Oh. I'm just spoiling everything at this point here. But the thing is, there's that moment. There's that absolute moment. And anyone who's seen the usual suspects knows that moment when the montages start and the, the reality starts and you, you start to see how everything was all always a plan to begin with. And it was all going to come to this moment. And you're like, holy crap, this entire movie now makes sense. And it's, oh, it's almost eye opening. And, I need to get back to Margot Robbie's performance, though, 
before I, I continue on with with all of that, the, the subtleness and how it all you know gets revealed in the end. It's almost a no brainer to cast Margot Robbie in a role like this, given that we're two years after Suicide Squad and being able to bring a character like Harley Quinn to life, who at that point had only ever been a cartoon character, except for I, th- I think someone portrayed Harley Quinn very briefly in the TV show Birds of Prey. Don't quote me on that one. I haven't watched Birds of Prey in a long time. But this character, Annie, is almost like, what if Harley Quinn were deadly serious? It's um, I would, I, I, You could argue that Annie, as a character in this movie, is more dangerous than Harley Quinn is. Definitely an unassuming, like, you don't see it coming, and I don't want to say too much, but, I mean, when that scene in the cafe where she's sitting down with Simon Pegg's character, and they're, and, and they're talking, and she so sincerely seems interested and intrigued and wants to almost help a complete stranger but then you realize later on that it's it's all it's all part of it I, I don't want to say too much <laughs> but oh my god it is all very it's all very um oh god there's a word there's a word it's all um for a greater good it's it's all going to come together yeah and it's brilliant i mean you could easily say that the not modus operandi but the if you were to put a single word characterization to a character like harley quinn it's chaos like like unbridled chaos that's harley quinn no rhyme or reason to what she does for annie it's it's calculated it's mm-hmm. it's cunning it's you know there is zero question that Annie is always in charge no matter the situation and will make you believe she's she's kind and caring will make you believe that maybe she's not as as conniving as she is you know like it's almost sociopathic to a point yes exactly that's it but that's the thing is that sociopathic but like you don't see it coming (laughs) like it's like there was there was never any like indicator that okay no no she's gonna turn and when she does it's like whoa Mm. okay Wow. Yeah. I mean, if you've ever seen, so Vogue did this thing with, with her and, you know, they, they would do these videos for their YouTube channel and for, for their website uh, with stars kind of documenting their, their beauty routine because it's Vogue. It's what they do. Right. So when they paired up with Margot Robbie, they did this entire three, three yeah, but three minute video that basically spoofs 
the, the, the Patrick Bateman monologue from American Psycho. And they called it Australian Psycho because, of course, Margot Robbie is Australian. And, like, the title on YouTube for this video is Margot Robbie is Psychotically Perfect. Annie in this film is psychotically perfect. Like, absolutely. I can't believe I used... Psychotically Perfect would be a phenomenal band name. It kind of makes you look at Burby in a different light. Well, I mean, I, I, I will admit, I will admit, I have not watched the Barbie movie in its entirety. We have not, we've not gone down that road yet. But I'm sure there are probably moments where you sit there and go, huh, take, you know, Barbie, Harley, and maybe her characterization of Sharon Tate in um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and mix them all into one and you have Barbie. Maybe. I don't know. I, I, I got to see the film. I don't know. I can't really comment on a film that I have not seen yet. Simon Pegg, who plays Bill, the seemingly sympathetic character in the diner talking to, to Annie in this. How was Simon Pegg for you? Oh, my God. I mean, watching him and knowing that at some point in the movie there would be a turn... I thought it would be him. Like, my money was on... I I, I did not see it coming. I, I thought that it was going to go a completely different way. Because he was just so... I, I don't... He was so sus. <laughs> the kids would be like, good you, word usage, Mom. <laughs> like, he, would, <laughs> he was just so sus. And um, right from the minute that he was introduced in the... Uh, in the terminal he's mm. waiting he's waiting for a train he doesn't care where it's going he's just waiting for a train yeah i mean and this movie opens up like i i'm gonna spoil the opening scene because i mean it's the opening scene right you know it'll autoplay on tubi if you watch the trailer for too long but you know the fact that margot robbie is in some kind of weird confessional kind of thing and saying that she's going to take care of you know all this guy's problems so she can take over this business. You know, so you have to suspect everyone and everyone on camera in this film. So when Simon Pegg is, he shows up and he's coughing and, you know, seemingly not someone to be messed with. Because there's those two guys in the terminal that are trying to hold up everybody and they can't hold up anybody, which is kind of funny. But... You're not quite sure if Simon Pegg's going to be the kind of guy who will kill them point blank for even thinking about it. But the fact that he just walks away, it's like, huh, okay, what's going on? And yeah, like the interaction between Bill and Annie is kind of pressure cooker. Like you're not quite sure which way it's going to go a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And I, I absolutely love the the line where he's like, just give me your gun. Here's 5,000 or whatever it was. <laughs> like the guy's trying to hold him up <laughs> and he offers him money for his gun. It was, it was funny. I mean, it was, it was not like Simon Pegg, like humor. Level. No, it wasn't Simon Pegg level humor, but it, it was funny and enjoyable to watch. And then again, there's that kind of, why does he need a gun? He's waiting for a train. He doesn't care where it goes. Like, what is 
his, what is this guy's story? Mm-hmm. You know? Um, yeah. And as I, I kind of love the setup, I love that it's just two people in a coffee shop, just talking, kind of getting to know each other. Not, not necessarily getting to know each other, but their entire conversation feels like a stage play chess match. Mm-hmm. You know, the dialogue almost has you changing sympathies throughout the entire conversation. As I'm watching those scenes between those two, it reminded me of another interview uh, from 2007. It's called Interview and stars Sienna Miller and Steve Buscemi. And the entire film pretty much takes place uh, in Sienna Miller's character's loft with Buscemi as a reporter trying to get a... You know, a, 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 I guess a feature story on on Sienna Miller's character and the entire thing. And, and yes, it was, if I remember correctly, it was taken from a stage play, but it's very much a n- not verbal jousting, but definitely verbal fencing, where it's a bit more, you know, thrust, parry, and defend almost between the two characters. Here, between Bill and Annie, it's kind of the same thing. It's like. It's like watching uh, an emotional ping pong match between the two and trying to see, or more more importantly, a tug of war. Like, if there's a flag in the middle of the rope in a tug of war, and the winner is the one that gets the flag over to their side, you're kind of watching the flag go back and forth across this diner table. But unfortunately, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, does Bill live or does Bill die? And which side does the flag land on? for him to live or die like you're not quite sure what's going to happen at the end of this conversation which i absolutely loved like it was just so intriguing to watch and then again that turnaround like you had mentioned where you started out suspecting him and then wind up feeling really bad for him but and then and then you feel you you once again don't feel bad for him exactly it it really takes you on this emotional journey mm-hmm. and it's brilliant okay there was a moment in this film where i have to remind our listeners that for you know x number of years we have been espousing way too many times our love of the show staged Simon Pegg appears in season two of Staged. And again, if you have not seen this show, by by all means, go out and find a way to watch it. Because anyone who spent any time in a Zoom call has lived Staged. But anyways, so season two of Staged is basically the whole premise is that they're trying to Americanize Staged from season one. So you have all these actors who are trying to read the parts of David Tennant and Michael Sheen with them on Zoom with them. So Simon Pegg is literally reciting the lines from from season one of Staged to the people who actually said it. So there's one point where he's, you know, basically like, rage, rage against the dying of the light. And that very quote... <laughs> Yes. Is in this film said to him by Margot Robbie's character. And I had that moment 
I, I felt like Leo DiCaprio in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood where he's pointing to the screen. He's like, hey! Like, <laughs> yes, I silently applauded that as well. I'm like, oh my gosh. But the funny thing is, this came out before stage did. So I wonder who's tipping their hat to whom. But still, <laughs> still, I, I, I got a chuckle out of that. But it is. Bill's journey is not just a full 180 or a full 360. This his journey is like a full 720 in this. Like it's fascinating how the conversation and how the 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 verbal the the dialogue between Annie and Bill takes you on this round trip and a half. I will definitely say that and this is completely on me, but I tried to do my homework and and watch this movie while maybe perhaps being a little bit distracted during my working day. Um, But she was actually doing her work. And I was. I was was working and that was the downside is that I really feel like this movie will get a second watch. Mm, Oh, absolutely. Because there were so many times that every time the scene would shift, right? Um, it, it would almost be a different story that you have to pick up. And and the location really played into the part of the story you were watching. Mm-hmm. And it was just kind of like there were too many times that... And, and even the, um, like the neon cityscape would almost kind of lead you to... Like there, there was I, like the terminal... Right. Um, And there was another uh, neon lit sign that was like two weeks earlier. And it was like, if you miss, if you're not watching, actively watching the movie, you could miss little things that, you know, really help to help to make it all make sense. So don't be distracted when you watch this. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner. And Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. 
Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. Dexter Fletcher, who played Vince, the... There was another series of assassins in this, aside from the other characters we've already talked about here. But Dexter Fletcher, who played Vince, the the older, more, for lack of a better term, assholic of the uh, the assassins, um, fits kind of right into this role. Yeah, I don't know, though. Was He had that moment where he hesitated, mm. and it was a bad idea. It was a very bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, what was that? Was that... I don't know. Like, was it was it that he couldn't do it, even though killing was his profession? Was it not? Like, I, I don't know. It's it, it's hard to say. And and again, it's one of those things where you. Can, I I'm I'm with you. This is a rewatch for me. Like mm-hmm. like not many of the movies that we have covered on this. Okay, somehow some are. Like I'll watch Tron Legacy. You know any day of the week and i'll be fine with that this is in that category of i would watch this again happily and we're we are actually talking about this film after a very first watch like this this is brand spanking new to us um the, the it, for me it's it's the dichotomy between the two assassins the partners vince and alf as played by max irons you know, you've got one who's a little bit more on the older, more grizzled, more not sarcastic, but definitely um, all out of the f**ks to give. Pretty much. <laughs> pretty, pretty much. And then you've got Alf, which seems to be the more idealistic of the two, right? The more, he's not an idiot. Alf is not an idiot. Just a bit more simple than Vince. He was... Like a suave kid. Mm-hmm. He was, I think he was there for, you know, to be the, the charm in the, the partnership between the two of them. Alf seems to be too small for the shoes he's trying to fill. And I'm not talking about Max Irons. I'm talking about the character Alf, right? Alf is trying to walk in the same footsteps that Vince is, but he's too idealistic and too um, big for his britches. Well, he's just green. Yeah, he, he is. He's he's clearly new to the gig. Mm-hmm. He hasn't kind of been road. He's been around, but, but he's been he's been around, but he hasn't been around. If you know what I'm saying, right? Like not long enough. No, definitely not long enough, right? And still susceptible to um, manipulation and you know Annie's charms. You know, I think that one of the initial not complaints but concerns I had about this film is that you almost had two parallel storylines going on. 
you know, very similar to, not necessarily like similar to Four Rooms, but there are some films where it's parallel stories and then they all kind of merge at the end. And we do get that here, right? But Vince and Alf's story, aside from being partially connected to to Annie at the time, um, feels like two different movies that we're watching. Eventually it does all connect. And when it does, like and when you see the grand picture of it, you're like, well, damn it, that just all makes sense. But it did feel like Vincent Alf were the B side or the B story to Annie and Bill. But they weren't parallel enough for me to think that, you know, we're trying, we're seeing two sides of a coin. Vincent Alf really do feel like they're being, and they are, they're being played against each other. They're not just not quite sure who's playing them. See, I didn't see it as two different storylines. I saw it as how is this all coming together? Mm-hmm. That's why. That's why I say. At first, it felt like. Hmm. I, I guess, and you know, I'm, and I'm going to throw Max Irons in this as well because really, you talk about Vince, you have to talk about Alf because the two were pretty much inseparable until they're separated from life. Sorry, 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 but you kind of saw it coming right away. But the thing is, we don't see too much of Alf being persuaded by Annie we don't see how I mean yes we we we, we see you know her plant a kiss on him we see them kissing a little bit later but that's about it right we don't really see too much of the manipulation you know yes is it Margot Robbie's character that that hands him the phone that that allows him to hear Vince agreeing to off his partner because their boss says so you know, so he feels betrayed and, you know, you do see that part, but he seems very easily manipulated by Margot Robbie's character. Again, I I think there was just the right amount, personally. Like, I, I think, I, I don't think that any more was needed, right? Because clearly, I mean, you... You see enough that um, you see the turn mm-hmm. where he changes allegiance from his partner to um, Annie to Mar- Margot Robbie's character. So maybe it's because I need I maybe wanted to see a bit more of Vince trying to sow doubt in Alf's mind about Annie because you know Vince is skeptical of Annie right off the bat, mm-hmm. right off the bat. You know, but we didn't see him trying to hammer home that Alf needs to open his eyes a bit more. I am confused, though. Like, so Alf took the call, right? Well, and he handed him the phone so he could hear. So it wasn't necessarily a, a, a call. It was basically a, a recording. No, but I mean, like, so maybe Vince, sorry. Vince took... Vince took the call, yes. Vince took the call. Like, why was he so easy to change allegiance? Why... What was his motive? Vince isn't changing allegiance, though. The guy on the phone, like the boss, right? The one with the the modulated voice that, that, you know, gives them their marching orders. You know, said that, you know, one more thing. You got to get rid of your partner. He's a liability. And he was just like, okay. Like, what kind of partnership is that? 
it just seemed v- like Vin- it was Vince doesn't care about people. It was like without question though. It's very obvious though that Vince like Vince knows where the where the contract's coming from. He knows where his bread is is buttered, right? So if the boss says get rid of your 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 partner, he's a liability. You know, if he doesn't, then he loses out on the contracts and loses out on the money, right? So Vince is all business, no friendship. You know, Alf to him is a tool, not a friend. And that's one thing I think they established is that, you know, Vince doesn't need Alf, but he uses him because he's a useful idiot, at least in Vince's you know, in Vince's eyes. One more major character to talk about here, and it's Mike Myers. I am so excited. <laughs> Was not expecting him in a movie like this. Oh, my God. I literally looked up and I was like. He is so familiar. Is that? I'm like, that can't possibly be Mike Myers. But it is. And and then I I IMDb it as I was watching because I must have missed the credits coming into it. But I was like, holy. <laughs> and then I'm like, that is Mike Myers. It doesn't look like Mike Myers, but it looks exactly like Mike Myers. And then he takes off the mask, and then it really does look like Mike Myers playing Mike Myers. That's a lot of Myers. That's a lot, that's a lot of Mike Myers. I, I will admit, when Mike Myers first comes on screen as the, the, the almost a bumbling janitor, it, it felt kind of like an Austin Powers character or a character that he would have played in like Soy Married and Axe Murder. And I'm just like, is he here for comedic effect? You know, what's going on with this character? Like the character felt totally different from everything else that's going on around him but then but then there's the there's the there's the switch right and like massive moment from mike myers like the personality shift not just in you you already said not just in disguise but in mannerism as well like to be able to see him kind of get out of one character and into his real, you know, his real life character. And it's just like, Oh snap. They did that with Mike Myers. And it's, it's really well done. But I, th- I think the thing too, is that people who watch this film and they only get so far into the film, all they see is Mike Myers being a goofy Mike Myers type character. And you don't see that moment. And you're like, <gasps> it all makes sense now. I, I know. I, I think I, I'm not going to lie that from that first terminal scene with Simon Pegg and Mike Myers in the same scene, I was like, I, I was just waiting for the comedy. Mm-hmm. I, I was like, where, this doesn't seem like a comedy, but okay, maybe. Like, where is this going? And man, it was no laughing matter. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, I, I think you, I think you kind of hit on something there, right? In that, you know, Margot Robbie, we know, can do dramatic acting. We've seen her do dramatic acting. Margot Robbie can can do anything. We mentally equate Simon Pegg and Mike Myers to comedies, you know, or, you know, very, very large characters, right? Like Simon Pegg, you may all of a sudden think of his role as Scotty in the, the Star Trek films. Uh, or you may go to the world's end, right? Or some of his more comedic type moments or, you know, um, with Mike Myers, like all you think of is comedy, right? 
this is not a comedic film. This is nowhere near a comedic film. But I think the thing is, you have to take a look at them doing more serious work. So maybe go rewatch Mike Myers in a film like 54. Or go watch Simon Pegg in, in his role in The Boys. Or some maybe How to Lose Friends and Alienate People. Like They have done serious roles before. And they will do it again. And they're both very good at doing it. But if you see them on screen, especially two comedic actors together, you're going to initially think, oh, it's a comedy. It's okay. And then Margot Robbie comes in in a very animated performance. Like, okay, it's definitely going to be a comedy. And about halfway through, you're like, this is not funny <laughs> at all. Yeah. This is no laughing matter. So I, I think... I mean, you mentioned the weight of expectation at the beginning of the episode, and I don't think it's the weight of expectation of greatness based on the actors. I think it's the the weight of expectation of genre based on the actors. That could be it. And, I mean, maybe it was too dark. Maybe it was too much for the critics. Going into it thinking, okay, judging by the the cast... It, it's it's lighter it's not it's not at all so again maybe that was it okay this needs to be talked about the cinematography in this film is absolutely gorgeous the lighting the mood the ambiance the camera work like this is a visual masterpiece well even the costume design mm-hmm like everything everything and use of music as well oh yeah there was one shot and just the music that came on i was like huh okay oh yeah this really sets the mood production wise like christopher ross is the cinematographer on this film and it looks fantastic like utterly fantastic like frames of this film our art, our pure visual art. But one of the things that I saw a lot of, you know, a lot of people critiquing on this film is that they felt it was style over substance. And I think that's taken away from the story. You know, yes, you're going to be visually dazzled by this film. It is it, it, Bob Ross-esque in, in look, but it's definitely not... Bob Ross esque in in tone and tonality, you know there there are no happy little mistakes in this film, you know. But the thing is, do you find that it's you know too much style, and that takes away from the substance? I don't, I don't think so at all. I think this movie had substance. This movie was brilliantly written, and the intertwining of the storylines and the 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 learning of the characters why like this wasn't just we we had you had called um margot robbie's character annie um uh, a sociopath she wasn't she was a very um fragile damaged individual i don't fragile i don't know but damaged definitely um at one point though she had to have been fragile and i think that was her why and that's what 
led her down the path that it did. And that was her strength, mm-hmm. really. I mean, her, her past was her strength. And definitely her why. <laughs> like, that that scene where it was done as a, a narrative of a story. Mm. Well, Brilliant. There's also that moment where they're... they're where Bill and Annie are, are standing around the hole, you know, in the terminal, right? And I, again, I'm, I can't really, you know, go too far into it, but there's this moment where he starts to snap back at her and you see her, before, you could see Annie start to pull back a little bit, like like maybe walking on that 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 borderline of frailty and and insecurity or whatever, like, like there, there's a lot of acting going on in in Annie that Margot Robbie is doing perfectly in this. The amount of twists, though, and there are a few twists in this film. Did at any point did any of the twists make you sit there and go, "Oh," and think of it as a cheap script plot? No, and it made me literally want to restart the movie right after it was done. Um, without saying too much, that moment you realize what the hell's going on, that, that, that end scene makes you want to rewatch it and to shut the world out around you and to just eyes glued to the screen because there are so many things that I missed. I'm not going to lie. There are so many so many little tiny intricate details to like you know the entire the entire story makes me want to look for something that i missed along the way i i i want more right like <laughs> i i want i i really um and again i am i'm literally like circling around the the elephant in the room here if you will and it's like we're, we're I, really trying our I best to not spoil this film i don't want to spoil it but i definitely want to rewatch it and see if there's something that i missed if that makes any sense it makes sense to me it it does make sense because there are a few, not not necessarily left turns at Albuquerque in this, but there, but there are definitely a lot of, you know, plot twists that that seem jarring at or at least may seem jarring, but ride the ride all the way to the end. You mm-hmm. know, like the best roller coasters have some of the harshest turns when you get to the pay dirt, right? Ride the roller coaster all the way to the end. And I guarantee you, you're going to want to get, you know, get back in line and do it all over again. Mm-hmm. But just don't do that at Disney because that's like an hour and a half in the line. <laughs> yeah. Fast pass. Fast pass. Fast pass. Okay. Um, it is time. So, Carrie, who is your MVP of 2018's Terminal? Oh, my God. I want to pick the entire cast. But I'm... I'm- Giving props to Margot Robbie, 1,000%. I think she played it perfectly. And right up to the end, which 
It was brilliant and 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 shocking and that what moment was so worth it. I had a couple of of honorable mentions listed here so let me get through those first I, I mentioned christopher ross the cinematographer and his work needs to be pointed out and like slow clapped because this is one of the most visual masterpieces i have seen in a long time like you, the set design the lighting design everything in this film this film looks absolutely gorgeous you know and it's interesting because it wasn't actually many sets no that's that's one thing too is that it's it felt a little bit like they skimped on location budget but they definitely made those locations impactful mm-hmm. you know it really at times it kind of felt like a stage play like annie and bill sitting in the diner in the terminal felt like a stage play um you know vince and alf in that apartment while they're on the stakeout kind of thing and the tension is building between the two, those that moment felt like a stage play. You know, so it felt like a, a bunch of little stage moments all put together. And I I I would be curious if someone was would be able to translate this script into a stage play and have two sets and have things go back and forth between the two scenes on stage. Hmm. I I would love to see that. Make it happen. Margot Robbie, make it happen. <laughs> uh, I also want to give props to Simon Pegg. Any, anyone who has their character make you feel suspicious, then sympathetic, then suspicious all over again. Like, oh, and then just angry. Yeah. Like, oh my yeah. God. Like, he made Bill so complex. Right? Like, there there is a lot to this character. And on a second watch... And that's going to be the interesting thing, too. You know, we've watched it once and you know we got to go on that ride. But now we know what's going to happen. So when we go back and watch it, we can now look for the nuances in Simon Pegg's performance. But I think you're right. Margot Robbie is spot on in this film, like from her physical acting to her playing to the camera to just the manic energy that she brings to this role. Like it, it is fantastic, and critics and audience got this wrong. This film is way better than the critic score got. Okay, spoiler alert, but I do have to ask this question of you. Okay. Knowing what we know, mm-hmm. playing back the scenes in your mind, mm-hmm. in your memory, mm-hmm. of the moving pictures in your mind, the, the gorgeous pictures, yes. Do do you think, is there one scene where you're like, ah, it's not Annie? Yes. Absolutely. Knowing now what I know, there's one moment. And it was brief and fleeting, and I, I wondered what was going on at the time, and it wasn't until the reveal that I'm like, ah, okay. Okay. There's there's a moment. All right. We'll talk after. We will definitely talk after. <laughs> and do you dun, dun, dun. do you our listeners? I hope you talk to us after going to watch this film, or if you have already watched it, and now you're just catching up with you know our thoughts on it. We did we did our best 
We promised not to spoil the film, and I think we got away with not spoiling too much of the film for you to still go and enjoy it. Right. I don't think I said too much. No, no. I think I think we were very well behaved this episode. <laughs> I think we were on as best behavior as we have been on in an episode where we try not to spoil things. I rarely behave. I mean, we broke our no singing rule like way early in the show. We might have broken a record as to how fast we started singing on the show, so I apologize for that one. But you you know who we are. If you listen to the show, you know what you signed up for. So that's on you guys. Um, but I hope people, dear listeners, go watch the film and then hit us up on social media because I, I I want to hear what you thought of this episode or go to our website and comment on this episode's webpage because I really want to hear what you guys thought of the movie Terminal. You know, whether you saw it before this episode or you went to go watch it between this episode or when if you go back and watch it now after the episode please let us know what you thought of this film because this is the kind of film that i would love to sit like honestly this is the kind of movie that i could see us sitting down like maybe after going to see it in the theaters sitting down at like a dessert place or a coffee shop afterwards and just talking about this film and trying to wrap our heads around it. this is a discussion film it is and oh my god how many times did i avoid you in the last 48 hours <laughs> i would start to say something and then i'm like i can't talk to you right now <laughs> like <laughs> true story there are some films where you go you watch it's like okay that happened and then you go home right this is one of those films where you want to sit and you want to dissect it yeah. afterwards like it is it is a fascinating film go watch it and after a second watch we definitely have to make time for that yeah so we can talk to each other again now we're good right it wasn't a long film either no it wasn't a long film. It was only like i think it was only like an hour and a half yeah like it's not long so you, you can give margot robbie 90 minutes well worth the 90 minutes all right, Carrie, thank you so much. And to you, our listeners, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Now, you guys know the drill. If there is a movie out there that you think is unfairly maligned or is just so bad that there is no way in a terminal that we can find anything good to say about it, hit us up on social media at NotThatBadCast or go to our website at NotThatBadCast.com. And while you're there, make sure you check out our new Coming Soon page where you're going to see all the episodes that we have scheduled to record with spots for you to fill in your comments whether it be on a movie that we're covering or a keep watch past topic or some of the stuff we're talking about over on our music show there can only be one that's at notthatbadcast.com and go to the coming soon page and while you're there make sure you check out all of our other shows until next time she's carrie i'm jay you guys are awesome this is it's not that bad a proud member of the pantheon podcast network take care It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. 
Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that fantasy points has to offer. That's fantasypoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. Fantasypoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 